For if you want to save your own life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. We serve a God of abundance, yet you're still living paycheck to paycheck. We serve a God of order, yet your house always seems to be a mess. You feel unappreciated and overwhelmed just trying to keep up. Does the noise of life drown out the voice of God? Hi, my name is Gina Morton, a Catholic wife, mom, and declutter coach. Welcome to Pruning to Prosper, the podcast where we talk about all the practical things to run your home smoothly. Clutter, money, mindset, and yes, everyone still wants to eat. So we'll talk about that too. That nagging in your heart is God telling you he has more for you than just trying to keep up. If you're ready to get uncomfortable, get brave, and see what you can do, then grab your garden shears because you're about to prune away the stuff so you can prosper into the woman God has called you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pruning to Prosper. I'm your host, Gina Morton, and we are continuing on a little mini series that I'm having on colleges and college choices because that's where I am right now in my season of life. I'm helping my oldest son figure out where he's going to go to college. He's going, he's going into his senior year of high school. So it's a lot of pressure, it's a lot of stress, and um, you might be going through the same thing right now. So Hopefully you'll tune into the series, you'll share it with your friends that are in the same boat, and uh, we are all going to get through this together. So today I'm going to share with you my personal college story, how I ended up where I ended up, and how it's turned out so far. And the other thing I want to get into at the later part of the summer, midsummer later, is really using that phrase from Ramit Sethi, the rich life. I, I never heard that phrase until he kind of popped onto my radar I, when I work with budgeting clients, I always begin our first session with asking them to go have the big, dream big conversation with their spouse. You know, that's always their first homework is like, dream big, what's your why? Because when you have debt to pay off and it might take years to pay off, you're going to need a bigger focus than just the numbers to stay on course and to keep you motivated for potentially years of debt paying. So, that's what I would always talk to my couples about. It's like, what are you actually working for? But I like how Ramit talks about the rich life because I think so many times a rich life doesn't necessarily mean making tons of money. And later on this summer, if you follow me on Facebook, um, especially the Tight Shit Mama page, I'm going to be tagging some of you and just asking you to post what is your rich life? What are you kind of what lights you up? What are you living for? And for me, I mentioned last week that I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So that is zero income, right? But that to me was the highest form of what I wanted in a rich life. I wanted to stay home with my kids. So that is a lot of what I talk about with my clients is What are you working for and how can we back out of it to make good financial decisions and even, you know, physical decisions with your home and your clutter to get you where you want to be in your rich life? And I was working towards that from high school. I just didn't realize it. Um, It wasn't always a conscious decision that I was making, but in hindsight, it worked really well. And 
Like I said, I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and that's why I chose the passage that I chose today because Jesus is saying, you know, if you want um, if you want to come with me, you must forgive yourself. And if you want to save your own life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. So in other words, you know, he's going to plant this seed, right? He planted the seed in my heart to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, and then I had ideas about where I wanted to go to college. And he, I'll tell you the story in the episode today, but pretty much the message I got was like, no, that's not the path I have for you. But if you trust me and you follow this other path, you will have your rich life, your most abundant life. Because remember, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to live in abundance. It may not be financial windfalls, but a rich life doesn't always mean financial windfalls. You know, mine was actually zero. It was zero income being a stay-at-home mom, okay? So let's back out, and I'm going to talk to you about my college journey. And so I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and my parents worked very hard for me to go there. It was not an easy financial decision. My mom worked two jobs so I could go there. And I did not take this lightly. I I took the opportunity that my parents gave me very seriously and I worked my butt off in high school. But I was always just an average kid. I was an average student. I think I finished up if we had a class, I think our graduating class was maybe 87. I was probably 50th in my class. So not at all a high performer. I was a mediocre athlete. Um, I just, I was really just your average kid. I fought for every B that I ever earned in high school. But let's back out to first day of freshman year. We were sitting in the auditorium and the president of the student body stood up and she said, you know, welcome to the class of 1994. Your college application begins today. And I thought, what? Because in my family, we didn't even really talk about college. I didn't assume that I was going to go. It was never encouraged. It wasn't discouraged, but it just really wasn't anything we talked about. So I always assumed I wasn't going to go. And I was, you know, just get the best high school education I can get, and that'll be that. So when I, you know, went home that day and I told my parents what this girl had said, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to college. So I was like, oh, okay, this is news to me, but... I'll do my best to get there. So anyway, the president of the student body, she says, your application for college begins today. And she said, colleges don't want to see that you put the hustle on last semester, senior year. They want to see that you were involved from day one, that you took leadership roles, that you were involved in clubs, that you did your best to get good grades. But overall, this high school really encouraged us to be well-rounded in leadership and service. Now, that was the belief back in, you know, 1990, 1991. I'm going to interview Kara Walker this actually later on today. I'm interviewing her, but you won't hear that episode for another few weeks. But um, she teaches families how to find and earn scholarships. So I'm going to ask her the same question. Like, is that still what colleges are looking for is the service and the leadership? So we'll, we'll get that answer together when she answers that for me. But um so that's what I focused on. I focused on really getting involved with the school, and I knew my shortcomings. I knew I wasn't going to be a National Honor Society student. I knew I wasn't going to get an academic scholarship. I just did my best, and I left the rest to God and his willingness to guide me through high school. 
So when it came time for college, I really wanted to go to New England because I had gone to Maine with a friend in eighth grade and I fell in love with Maine. And I thought, well, college is my first chance to really go where I want to go. So I applied to Bowdoin College, which is in Maine, and it was my absolute reach school. It's New England Ivy League, but I just fell in love with the campus, and my dad and I took a tour, and he fell in love with it. But again, my parents didn't have any college savings, so for me to be traipsing around this college that at the time was $25,000 a year, you know, which today, (laughs) that's what our local state school costs, but back then that was a lot of money. So, you know, my dad was like, don't worry, you know, like, we'll figure it out. If you get in, we'll figure it out. And then I looked at another school in Maine called University of New England, I believe it was called. And then we looked at my realistic first choice school on that same trip. And that was the University of New Hampshire. And when I was in high school, when you're a freshman, you get assigned a big sister. And my big sister was now in college, and she was at the University of New Hampshire. I fell in love with this school. They had my major, uh, which was environmental sciences. And at the time, that was not a very popular major. In fact, most schools did not even offer it, let alone offer it as a full degree. So it was kind of a newer um, degree for me to be looking into. But anyway, all the schools I looked at had it as a full-time four-year degree, including my safety school, which was another state school here in Pennsylvania. It was my safety school, and it was my last choice school. I really did not want to go there. It's very 1960s, 1970s, depressing, (laughs) you know, just kind of state institution look to all the buildings, at least at the time. Things have improved a bit there now, but at the time, I went on the tour, and Pennsylvania winters are not beautiful New England winters. Pennsylvania winters, we might get one really good snowfall, and then that snow stays around until April, and it's just gray and filled with the gravel from the street. That's pretty much what Pennsylvania winters look like. But that's what my my state school, last choice school, had to offer. All right, so that's that. Tuck that in the back of your mind. So I applied to um, all these schools, and my first choice, since it was the University of New Hampshire, I applied early admissions, which meant that I was going to hear in November. What I didn't realize was that I wouldn't hear about the financial aid package until May. So here I go into my senior year thinking, hey, by Thanksgiving break, I'm going to know where I'm going to college, and I can just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride until June 4th, 1994, when I walk across that stage in the auditorium and get my diploma. But that's not how it worked out. My dad was not a super fan of me going to the University of New Hampshire because it was a state school that was not our state. So he said to me, I will give you the equivalent of a Pennsylvania state school, but you need to come up with the rest. So for the University of New Hampshire, that meant I needed to come up with $11,000 each year. So a total of $44,000, okay? And I got in early admissions, but again, I didn't know about the money. So between November and May, little grants and different things are trickling in, 
from New Hampshire, you know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks, 500 bucks, but nothing coming close to $11,000. Meanwhile, I get a letter from this Pennsylvania State School, again, my last choice school, and they have offered me a full tuition scholarship. Half of the scholarship is based on community service. So I was being rewarded for the community involvement I had during high school. The other half of the scholarship required a certain GPA that I had to maintain and it increased every semester. So it was half academic, half community service, and then I still had to come up with room and board, okay, which was really no problem. My parents were just thrilled beyond thrilled. Here's their daughter getting a full scholarship to the state school. And I said, I'm not going. This is my last choice school. I want to go to New Hampshire. And my dad's like, yeah, sweet dreams, kiddo, because you're not getting anything from New Hampshire. Like we haven't heard much from them. And he's like, you really should sign this paper and agree to go to this state school in Pennsylvania. And I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. So I had about 30 days to accept this full tuition scholarship. And I waited until the last day and I signed it and I mailed it off. Because remember, this is back before email and all that stuff. So I mailed it off. And I kid you not, the next day I get in the mail a letter from the University of New Hampshire and they awarded me an $11,000 scholarship for four years. So they gave me exactly what my dad said I needed to get. But I was not happy. So I I thought, forget it. It's too much work to undo what I've just accepted from the state school. I'm just going to go to the Pennsylvania State School. Forget New Hampshire. I'm kind of not happy with them at this point that they played this game. They let it drag out this long. So I just went to my last choice school. And I cried the whole way there. My first roommate and I, we did not get along great. She was a junior when I was a freshman, which I thought was kind of a crappy thing for the school to do because she clearly was really deep into her major. She had her her friends group. So I just didn't find my tribe until probably second semester of freshman year. That's whole other stories. But anyway, I ended up graduating in four years with my degree in environmental sciences and a minor in outdoor education. And just like Everyone else hoped I would get a job, but it wouldn't be for almost a whole year until I got a job in my field. So this is what I want you to remember as your kids are filling out these applications and you're looking at schools and you're considering taking out loans. Not everybody gets a job right away, and the brochure is not going to tell you that. Not everybody even graduates. So the numbers from 2023, um, 38% of kids don't even graduate, okay? Many probably have student loans. So you've got all the debt and not the degree. 62.3% of undergraduates do graduate, but get this, not in four years, in six years. So are you prepared for your kid to be on? We used to joke about the five-year plan. Now I guess it's a six-year plan. So remember, if you can afford four years and your kid doesn't graduate in four years, then what's the plan, 
What are you going to do for those other two years or that extra semester? Okay, like don't assume that your kid's going to go in, get their degree, in and out, four years, bada bing, make a ton of money. Does it happen? Yes, of course it happens. Does it happen all the time? Not all the time. So my first year after college, I just putzed around, really. Um, But the great thing was I was debt-free because for the portion of my college that I did not get with the tuition scholarship, I applied to um, my mother worked for a worldwide company at the time. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say on a podcast or whatever, but anyway, my mother's employer gave out college scholarships and I won that for, um, I don't know, four years. I won it. So it was a four-year scholarship that I could win, but that covered my room and board. So that coupled with the the scholarship from the, the school itself, I had a full ride. And I think maybe my parents and I paid for books and miscellaneous things along the way. Um, and it worked out. It was great. And as much as I hated going to that school, I did make great friendships and I made great connections and I took advantage of all the opportunities that that school did have to offer me. And one of the great things was that I wasn't afraid to raise my hand. So in high school, I learned that the secret to success is volunteering and raising your hand. So I did just that in college and I went on a fully funded mission trip to El Salvador. When I did graduate and eventually got my first job in my field, my boss was an alumni of that same school, and he recommended me to the alumni board. So here I was, 22 years old. I was on the alumni board of my university, and then he recommended me for another board for a nonprofit in the area. So at 22 years old, I was on two boards, which is it's a great thing to get involved with. Like I think everyone should serve in their community and do their time and work. Um, volunteering on a board is one of the great ways that you can give back to your community and offer your um, expert opinion and share in your talents. The other great thing was when I graduated debt-free, I was able to begin my rich life immediately. Now, my rich life, of course, is to be a stay-at-home mom. I don't even I didn't even know my husband. I wasn't gonna meet my husband for five more years, okay? But another thing that I always wanted to do was travel. And it had been a dream of mine to backpack around Europe since probably the early days of high school when I my neighbor down the street, she backpacked through Europe and I thought, huh, if she can do it, I can do it. So I kind of put that in the back of my mind as a goal that I wanted to do and a dream that I had. And sure enough, the day after college graduation, this is just a crazy side story. The day after college graduation, my grandmother and grandfather took me down to Atlantic City because they they're like they were part of that generation that would take the bus down to Atlantic City. <laughs> and so I went and I won $1,500 on the slot machine, which back in the day was a ton of money. And that allowed me to purchase a round trip air ticket to Heathrow in London. A fi- so that was $500. I had $500 that I used for a year rail pass and I had $500 in cash. And the week after that, I got on a plane and I went to London and I proceeded to spend the next month backpacking around Europe all by myself. And I just made 
memories of a lifetime. And I thought this is this has been a dream is to travel. And I got to do that because when I graduated, I wasn't straddled with debt and I didn't have to take the first job that came along. So I gave myself that first summer after graduation really off. I didn't even look for a job really until I got home from Europe. But in the meantime, I was living with my parents. I was babysitting. I was making money, you know, just I didn't need money because I didn't have any bills and I just needed like some fun money. And then um, I just got a job as a temp. Uh, actually, the the dad for the family that I babysat for, he, he hired me for his company, um, which was not anything I wanted to do, but it was something while I was looking for jobs in my field. So it took me a long time. And I finally, in March of 1999, so I graduated college in 1998. It took me until March of 1999 to find anything in my field. And that first thing that came about was a job actually up in Massachusetts, outside Boston. I was teaching outdoor education. And we worked from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. every single day. And when I did the math on how much we made, we made $1.12 an hour. And guess who was one of my co-teachers? A graduate from Bowdoin College. So here's this kid with this $100,000 education, and he's working right alongside me, making $1.12 an hour. So again, it doesn't always matter where you go and where you're going to end up, okay? So I think that's that's the other part of this message I want to give you today is like, trust that God's plan for you is going to be just as good, if not better, okay? Um the last thing I wanted to talk about was because, again, the benefits of being debt-free and me kind of taking these big leaps towards my rich life. So I did finally land a job in my field with benefits. And again, that was because um, of the connections I had made during my internship in college. So that's where I, I worked for the man that was also an alumni. So I worked there for about two years. And... Um, but that job, I started off at $21,000 a year. So I think a lot of times we assume we're going to graduate and we're going to start off with these great salaries and that's going to allow us to pay back our student loans. But that's not always the case. And this is why I'm so passionate about people attending college debt-free and having your children attend college debt-free is because you cut off your choices when it comes time to accepting a position in a job. Because if I had all this debt and the bills were coming in right after graduation, I couldn't have gone to Europe. I couldn't have taken the job in Massachusetts. And I probably wouldn't have been able to accept the first job that I did get working in, in that same town for I worked for the county because it was for pittance. I mean, it's $21,000 a year. I could barely afford to eat. I can't imagine that I would have had any money left over to pay back student loans, okay? So these are all the things that as the parents, we need to be talking to our kids about that you, you know, okay, you you think you're going to get this degree. One, will the kid get it? And two, once you do have that degree, you think you're going to be making this kind of salary, but really, in fact, will the kid be making that much money? We don't know. These are all unknowns. But the one thing you will know is if they graduate debt-free, they don't have 
that stress of absolutely needing to find a job before those loans start coming in. Okay. So I think what I want to encourage you to do as a parent um, of a high schooler right now, start having these conversations about what does their rich life look like? Okay. I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom more than anything else in the world. Did I need $100,000 education from Bowdoin to make that happen? No. Okay. The goal is to get a degree and get a job. It doesn't have to be from your first choice school. And that's exactly what happened. I got a degree and I got a job. And eventually, oh, so this is the other part of the story I was going to tell you. I worked for the county for about two years and it really, I mean, I maxed out at 25000 working there. And it was fine. I could afford to have a nice life there. I really, I was fine. Um, and next episode, I'm going to talk to you about the financial decisions I made during during those two years that I worked there that still reaped benefits up until this year. They're still reaping benefits, okay? But anyway, different episode. So when, so my mom now worked for a different company, a pharmaceutical company. And that, that company was based in my hometown. And every day, I kid you not, for two years, my mother called me to tell me that she thought I should work for this pharmaceutical company. And I just thought, I'm never going to get hired because she would always tell me about these pharmaceutical sales reps and how they were Hollywood gorgeous and they they made all this money and they spoke all these languages and they had all these degrees and da 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 And I was like, I'm never going to get hired. Like, I'm not any of those things. But they had openings in the New York boroughs. So Manhattan, the Bronx, Staten Island, Long Island, and Brooklyn, right? And so I thought, all right. I'll apply for this job. There was an opening in the Bronx. So I was specifically applying for the Bronx. And I thought, I'll apply for this job. I won't get it. And that'll like keep my mom quiet and happy because I'll say, see, I didn't get it. So I go to apply for this job. And because I think I was debt free, and Dave Ramsey talks about this, about being debt free and looking for a job. I wasn't desperate. And I really could take it or leave it because, again, I didn't need this job. I was really fine with the job I had at the county. I was kind of getting a little antsy about I'd like to make more money, but I was fine. So when I got to this place to interview for this pharmaceutical sales rep job, you're sitting in what would be picture a banquet hall at a hotel, like where you would have a wedding reception, okay? So it's these circular tables, probably 10 people at each table, and the room is filled. At least 150 people applying for these jobs in the New York City boroughs. And they all look the same. We all had on our black Jones of New York suit with our little like, you know, French blue color Oxford underneath. And all the boys look, it's just like, (laughs) it was like cookie cutter who's applying for these jobs. And some of them even had degrees in pharmaceutical sales. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I am not going to even come close to being able to compete with these people. But I get in there. And because I think I was so relaxed, it was very easy for my interview to be very conversational. And when they brought up the question about me working in the Bronx and did I feel like 
you know, because they saw my resume, I was coming from this small town, they assumed that I wasn't going to be able to cut the mustard in, in the Big Apple, right, in, in the Bronx. And I said, oh, well, let me tell you about this trip I took by myself all around Europe for a month after high school or college graduation. And then I proceeded to tell them like crazy stories about traveling around Europe. And I had these people rolling, laughing with my stories and, you know, just to let them know like, yeah, I can hold my own, you know, like, don't worry. I'm, I'm a big girl. I can make it in the Bronx, right? Well, sure enough, I got the job. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. But I did, and I ended up working for that company for five years, and that's another story for another day, but that was another big step towards my rich life because that job is the one that really allowed me to save, save, save so that not only I could be a stay-at-home mom, but so that later on my husband could pursue his dream too. So these are all stories that I'll, I'll share with you as the weeks go by. But for now, I just want you to keep your kids focused on what is their rich life? What does that look like? And remember that your first choice school might not be the answer, all right? And like Jesus says, like, you have to lay down that dream sometimes and go with the plan that he has for you. And that's the one that is going to really give you the rich life. Have a great day. I'll see you on Saturday for a five-minute declutter with me. Take care.